You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. There is a place where time stands still. Where nature is harsh and demanding, where only the quick and the strong and the deadly can survive. This place is no place for civilized man. Hi, Annie here for Showreel. Today we're speaking with Melbourne independent filmmaker Sinim Saban. She's been working on an extraordinary film in collaboration with Dr. Jinanin Gundara, OAM, a highly respected Yulung clan leader initiated lawman and civil rights activist who has led the battle for the spiritual and political freedom of his people for over 45 years. The film, Luku Nanra, Law of the Land, was screened a couple of weeks ago at the capital in the city as a fundraising exercise to finish off the last bits before the Law of the Land is made available on streaming services. It is hard to get across how important this film is for an Australia that understands and honours its Indigenous heart. Here is my chat with Sinim Saban. Thanks for talking to me, Sinim. Your uh, film, Lupu Nagara, The Law of the Land, was preceded by another film that you made, an earlier film. Can you tell my uh, listeners about that earlier film? Because that's important. Yeah, sure. So um, Our Generation was um, produced over three years and released in 2010. And that was my first in, you know, film of my own. And it was a response to the Northern Territory intervention. So we had the Howard government at the time announce the Northern Territory intervention. And, you know, I don't know if your listeners know what happened with that, but um, federal government basically said that every single... Northern Territory community has pedophiles operating in them and therefore they sent in the army and seized control over all communities in the Northern Territory. So my film, Our Generation, was a response to that um, being a human, absolute human rights violation because it also suspended the Racial Discrimination Act. So, yeah, first-hand accounts from many people on the ground. And that's one of the key elements to uh, unlocking this further film that you're talking. You you made connections with people, uh, and the story that is being told in the Law of the Land is actually quite earth-shattering for people. I think, uh, from my point of view, it clarifies so many things about uh, the differences between Western approach to things as well as, as Western uh, uh, washing of its hands, of its uh, 
gross human rights violations when it comes to First Nations people. That's right, um, Annie. Look, it, it, making this film with Dr. Gondra has been a, a and I use the word spiritual, but it's a spirit. It's been a spiritual journey for me, um, as much of a political journey. But it's been a really big realization that actually the system that we all um, operate under. Um, is not really uh, benefiting anybody, let alone the First Nations people. First Nations peoples obviously um, have been uh, dealing with the injustice for a very, very long time and and the film really highlights how we have two completely different worldviews operating side by side and one being incredibly dominating and manipulative over the other and it's um, it's a big story. Yeah, it is a big story. Uh, and I, I must say that watching uh, Law of the Land when it was uh, shown at the Capitol a couple of weeks ago was such an, an eye-opening and emotional experience for me. Um, I mean, you know, I'm only a small cog in a wheel, but um, if it has that effect on me, then it should have that same effect on other people because, uh, like, I... Uh, there's so many things you don't understand because you're watching from the outside. So all of the uh, cultural um, dances and symbols and arrangements of life are all considered in some sort of pathetic, um, uh, arrogant way. Uh, from a, a white person's point of view, it's like it's a scientific investigation rather than what it really is. And that's one of the th eye-opening things and emotional things that come out in this story that you are able to tell us through Dr. Gondara. I mean, what a person, what an amazing person. I know, I know. It's his, his, he brings me to my knees anytime he speaks um, because he has walked in both worlds. Um, he is so incredibly articulate um, at such a deep level. Again, also he's, he's a reverend, he's an ordained reverend. So he's an incredibly spiritual man and he's constantly being, he's constantly able to build the bridge between the two worlds, but call, call our worldview out as you say, we come from such an arrogant place that this Western modern democracy is the right way when actually, it, you know, I'll say his words, this is a dictatorship. Um, you know, we, we come from a space of thinking that we know what's right and we create policies for other people all the time and we're constantly getting it wrong and then we backtrack and we go, oh, we got it wrong and we've got to try it again. And Indigenous people are just waiting in the sidelines for decades, just waiting to be heard. And, you know, the film, Dr Gondra's plight has always been not to divide the country but to actually bring us together and bring, which is why I've had the privilege of getting so close to him is he wants, he's so honoured and happy that I want to learn. And I think most of the time we non-Indigenous people need to step forward and just put our hand up and say, hey, I just want to learn. I just I just want to get it. and But not bring our own stuff to the table. When we bring our own views to the table, we're missing the mark. 
and, and and actually, this is why people need to go and see the film. Um, it's a bit hard to uh, get it across how profound this is. I mean, it's actually incredibly profound film to watch. I mean, it's like that thing about working class people making fun of middle class people for being uh, do-gooders because a do-gooder wants to do good but they don't realise they're standing in a position where they're pretending that they're above the people that they're actually communicating with and therefore they will never communicate with them. So they will never relinquish power. And that, I mean, that's only You've, a small part of it. Oh, you hit the nail on the head, Annie. Like, and that's been my personal journey. Obviously I've been going up to Arnhem Land for 23 years and, you know, I was young and naive to begin with. You know, I had that possibly had a bit of that charity I'm going to help them view in my eyes but geez it all came crashing down on me um and I think the if you have the right intention that's a good starting ground but if you you do if we are coming at it from a charity perspective I think we're going to get it wrong because they don't want charity they don't want charity they want just to be heard they've got all the solutions this is the most fascinating journey I've been on is, is they have a parliamentary system, they have systems and processes for all sorts of decision-making and solutions and resolutions, um, and we just need to just let them do what they do. I, I often find it hard to write a synopsis on what the film is about because it is so big, and as you know, it it's there's a s- strong spiritual element in it too, which was really um difficult thing for me to weave through without losing sight on the political side. Well, actually, I was going to say to you that it's it's a very well-made film. I mean, it's not just a profound film. It's actually a, a, a really well-made film because I, I've seen a couple of films at Blake that have uh, been trying to meld together. In fact, variously successful uh, they all of them are interesting and very good films like the giants is one film and then there's this other one about um the uh art artist activist in america who was fighting against galleries taking money from the group of people that sold opiates to the entire country in america and brought them wow in. yeah but there were two ideas running at the same time which was the uh, biography as well as the bigger story, right? Now, you've done the same thing here. You're talking about Dr. Uh, Gondwa as well as the big story, which is obviously the politics and the spiritual. But you've actually managed to do it. You've actually wound them together in such a way that as I'm watching it, it's completely seamless in terms of your creation. You've really done a great job. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that because, you know, it was it was a solo journey and there was many drafts, but I feel like I finally got it in the end. The, the, the interesting thing was is that I was, as I was learning all this stuff, like I, I you know, or piecing it together, it was like I was having to um, communicate it straight away. I didn't have time to digest sometimes. I was like, wow some you know like oh my gosh that fits there and so it was like a thesis to begin with and then I obviously needed to make it entertaining and you know interesting visually so it was um a long process to get it 
to that and I really appreciate that you, it was seamless because sometimes I look at it and go, oh, is that okay? Um, I guess I just have so much information in my head that um, I always think I could make it better. Well, of course you would because you're the person making it. But from my point of view, you actually told me a lot of things that I didn't know. I kind of knew, but I didn't understand well enough. I was really able to understand more the place of um, uh, dance and music and the symbology of the sculptures that they interact with. Because on the outside, it, they look like you don't understand them. You you don't understand them. They, uh, It's a bit like going into a French museum. Aren't they interesting or something? But that's not what they're for. They're living objects with living meaning. And the place of uh, women in, in the culture and the, the reason for the stories and the reasons for why they've told them the way they've told them. And also how strong their actual democracy really is. That is pretty fantastic. I know, yeah. I think um, we probably could take a leaf out of their book. Um, and I think one of the, as you mentioned, one of the strong things for me that I wanted to include in the film is the role of women because I know that um, over the past many years that Indigenous women are seen as being just victims of domestic violence, which is true, but it's not a cultural thing. It's not an innate thing within their culture. It's actually a symptom of this new world encroaching on them. Mm. And I really wanted to make that clear that, you know, Yong law, and I'm speaking obviously for, because that's where the film is made, Yong law is not violent. It does not disrespect women. It actually, as you see in the film, you know, holds women up high as the keepers of the law. And there is a lot of talk out there amongst um, academics that actually Indigenous law is violent and, and that really needs to be clarified. Yeah, that's exactly right. In fact, it's a classic case of one society deciding to put voice and story to another society that they know nothing about. It's like, it's almost like the classic decision that male-dominated societies describe women, in fact. It's true. It, we do it all the time. And we we turn we turn people into what we're describing them to be. We're, we're turning Indigenous people into violent people because of the way we, we're disempowering them. So, you know, if we can actually pull back and see that the way that our world and this modern world works, even on, I mean, I even look at the influence of the modern world on my own children and I worry, you know, because I've had the privilege of going and seeing what life is like out in community and I just, you know, in a traditional way and I just think, wow, you know, this is such a great way of raising children and, you know, our children have got just bombarded with all of these influences that are not great for them. You are listening to 3CR Showreel and we are chatting with Melbourne independent filmmaker Sinim Saban about her collaboration with Dr Gondra, Yulung clan leader, as they present to the world their film Luku Nonra, Law of the Land, which will be available 
August on streaming services and there are going to be a select few screenings such as in Sydney on June the 1st at the Cheval Cinema. Here is the last part of that chat with Sinem. This is an interrogation of as much of uh, them as a disease of us. That's what's so fascinating because in the past it's always as if whatever we've got to say is what's important and whatever anybody else has got to say is not important. And and one of the things that's so strong about your film is the classic um, mirror to the Western uh, face. So what, they get an Indigenous person into Parliament and on, on the... Uh, the vote on t uh, treaty. He goes to Parliament. He's a very upstanding and, and powerful person. White Parliament decides that they're going to have a committee, a treaty committee, but they're not going to invite him. I know. Like, so this is um, Mark Yingi Aguila, who's an independent MP for Arnhem Land. Yep, elected twice now. First, he... he ran on the platform of treaty and he won twice and they he still has a lot of trouble in parliament being heard. Um, and as you said, there was a treaty committee that was formed and they didn't include him in the treaty committee. That committee is now, now dissolved. But he, in the extended part of the interview with him, he says he just feels like he's throwing himself against a brick wall. And I think there's something to be said about that with... Um, you know, this talk about the voice to parliament, we need to be careful that we're not going to be complacent with it because we have to make people accountable if it's not working. Um, and, you know, I'd like to be more optimistic, but Dr Gondra tells me that he doesn't think it's going to work because of just our usual ways that we can place Indigenous people into positions but then actually not listen to them. Yeah, because I hope of, I'm wrong. I'm hoping yeah, I'm wrong. That thing about the intervention was so evil, and the intention so, was so evil that um, it led me to say from then on that every decision about uh, Aboriginal affairs in Australia is about mining. It's only about mining. Um, I didn't get a lot of people agreeing with me, but I haven't changed my mind. Yeah, I mean, I since making Our Generation, which did make that correlation to um, intervention being opening access to land, I still believe that it's about access to land, but I also believe that it's about um, destroying culture, um, so cultural genocide and weakening their systems of law and their culture, I think, could be a long-term vision. I mean, that could sound like a conspiracy, but, like, I think... Um, as we see lots of elders dying now and Dr Gondra is on his last leg, he's not well. And um, I can see the worry in him about what is going to happen in, for the next generation who don't have the fighting spirit of the elders. What is actually going to happen? Are they going to get a treaty or is it going to be just straight out assimilation? There was something I wanted to talk about, which you bring up and he brings up in the film, is how um, the translating of words into English loses so much meaning. There's so much meaning lost. So law of the land is not the same really as 
Lulanadra. Lulanadra, yeah. Yeah, it's not really the same. As well as he disparages the concept of dream time, which is actually a Western concept. He says, I'm not having a dreaming. I'm not dreaming, right? <laughs> and I, re- I was really thinking about all that language is so important. And it the is. language that the West uses for the incredibly important terms within Indigenous Australian uh, views are bel- uh, belittling. They miss the meaning of they not only miss the poetry, but they also miss the core. That's correct, isn't it? It's incredibly true. It's, you know, even as uh, Yingyi Aguila was speaking after our Melbourne screening, he said, you know, even the word treaty, what does treaty mean for Yolngu? Well, it, it, he doesn't, he said, he was saying that he, his version of treaty is actually Madara, um, Madaraka, like, which is, which is their treaty pro- process. It's what the real voice is, is actually having two governments sitting together side by side and speaking. Um, so, yeah, dreaming, law, L-O-R-E. I got pulled up on that one. We all down south use the word L-O-R-E for Indigenous law, but Dr Gondara is, ad- Gondara is adamant that it's L-A-W. It is a law similar to what you have in parliament because they have parliament so big wake-up call and as you say yes we we diminish their culture by by making out as if it's some fantasy dreaming folklore it's not it's so strict as you saw in the film it's it does not change does not change and young people go through initiation to uphold the law and that is what has held them in place for 60, 80,000, 100,000 years. It's the law that's held everything in place. Um, and once we start um, diminishing their law, well, then you're going to get the anarchy, which is what the film also looks at, is the anarchy that's creeping into communities now. Um, kids are just running amok because their law is seen as... Um, well, they're being told not to follow their own law. So what do they do? They just break any law, you know, because they don't associate with Western law. It's got nothing to do with them. Mm. They don't even know what the law is until they're being arrested for it. You know, well, I don't even know what our laws are sometimes because they're always changing as well. It's a really big mirror. Yeah, one thing that... uh was really, really high on the agenda when you were making this film and when Dr Gundara was part of this film was that they should not have any funding from any government source or anything of that sort. This was really important. He had an understanding of the power that was being used, to wielded to uh, constrain the message, wasn't he? It's true. Um, the film kind of obviously tracks his life and how he has never taken any government money. Even to this day, he has never been on welfare and he is not on the pension. Um, he is still a working man and he refuses to take any money from the government. So, And that coupled with my own um, values, I'm an independent filmmaker, we both agreed that we wouldn't take any money from government um, or any money that didn't have integrity or alignment with our message for that matter. 
Um, but that also meant that we didn't take any money from film funding bodies like Screen Australia and Screen NT um, because they are kind of government affiliated, which made it, I guess, a challenge to make um, a high production valued film. But we did it. We did it. I didn't pay myself. I did the work for free, director, producer and editor for five years. And my husband and I put out a remortgaged our house <laughs> to make it happen in the end. But I have no regrets because I now know that every time someone watches that film that we stand with integrity. Are you looking for any support from equally integrity-minded people, if that's the right word for it? Righteous yes, so, people, I suppose. Righteous people, yes. I, I guess people who are aligned with what the message of the film is. Yeah, we do. Look, I mean, we are completely stretched. Um, we've got a GoFundMe campaign going. I think we need about 16000 more to cover all the completion of the film costs. We've still got some licensing and bits and bobs that we need to cover before we can publicly release it, which is what we're aiming for August. So we have a big Northern Territory um, launch at the, at the Darwin Festival so we're hoping that we can raise these funds before August because then from then on we'll have it streaming online. So we yeah. also take tax-deductible donations as well, um, com. Yeah. That's it for Showreel this week. Details to support the final stages of the completion of Law of the Land will be up on our podcast. If you are in Sydney on June the 1st, there is a screening at the Cheval Cinema Coming up next is Published or Not.
Enrique. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.